everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Alison Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to see your faces here and to see your faces on the stream. Well, I can't see your faces, but you can see mine. So uh, I know you're watching, and that actually brings me great comfort. Um, my name's Allison. I'm one of the lead pastors here at the Vineyard, and uh, we just wanted to show you that video again quick to remind you that we have a Bridge of Hope interest meeting coming up this Thursday, the 29th. Um, and just like you heard, this organization is all about neighboring. It's not just about giving uh, a financial handout. It's about investing in people's lives, getting to know them, and seeing just the power of Jesus at work um, in actual homes, in actual communities. And so Bridge of Hope does this really well. We're excited to partner with them. If you want to hear more, uh, go to the interest meeting. It's on Zoom, and we're going to be sending out... uh, an email later today with a way for you to sign up and the link for that. Sound good? All right. I'm just going to read a couple scriptures to get us started here this morning. The first is from Psalm 73, and it says, When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. The second is from Hebrews 12, specifically verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. I have just been really marinating in these scriptures lately, and I feel like as we wrap up this mini-series on worship, um, this is just a timely word for us, that we are actually receiving a kingdom that's unshakable, Um, and this past year has been a year of shaking. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, right? Uh, In many ways, uh, we are all still shaking and still trying to make sense of what the heck we all went through. And so I just get the sense that it has actually not been very easy for us to worship. We've been isolated from our communities in some ways. Um, Worshiping is just not easy when you're in a moment of shaking and when the shaking just keeps going, right? Um, I get that. Like, there's just been a lot of really hard things that have happened. And as I've talked with you guys, I mean, I get the question, like, how am I supposed to keep worshiping when I'm struggling financially? How am I supposed to worship when my kids are going off the rails? How am I supposed to worship when my marriage feels really shaky? How am I supposed to keep worshiping when my body is denying me, is betraying me, does not seem to be working right. When friends leave and when jobs don't work out, how do we worship? It just feels like such 
valid questions. And I have found a lot of comfort in these verses, and I just want to open up the scriptures with you guys and, and just share um, how God has met me in that. Uh, but before I do, I want to share some really, I think, encouraging words from my friend Jean to start. So let's hear from Jean. Hi, church. Allison asked me to speak a little bit about what worship looks like for me lately. Um, for me, it usually involves um, music and picking up a guitar. When I want to really engage with God, that's that's usually the conduit I use. Um, something about playing, playing the songs and singing the songs just clears all the other noise and distractions in my head and helps me to really focus in on on God. And I usually pick songs that have words that draw me to him. Songs like I love your presence, um, that, that I can really sing from my heart and, um, and I'll listen to see how God's responding to, um, to what I'm singing. Um, oftentimes I'll sing my own words. I'll stray from the words that were written as the lyrics to the song and I'll sing whatever's on my heart. Um, and, something happens when I do that. It opens something up. Um, I just feel so much more connected to God when I do that. And I feel his presence so much more strongly. Um, I was doing that with the song, um, tree by Justin Rizzo recently. It has a line in there. Um, I want to be unmovable, unshakable, let my roots go down deep. And I was singing that and I felt like God was saying to me, um, having just done emotionally focused that that work that I did caused my roots to grow a lot deeper and a lot stronger and that I need to be patient and wait for the tree to catch up. So it was you know, God giving me encouragement that I may not see all the transformation in my life right now that I'm going to see and that I just need to be patient and let the tree catch up with the roots and I'll see new fruit and, and new growth um, that I didn't see before. Um, usually when I put my guitar down after I've done two or three songs, I'm feeling very connected to God. And so, um, if I'm interested in doing some meditation or some imaginative prayer, I'm in the perfect space for that. Um, so I did this for a emotionally focused homework a few months ago where, um, they asked us to pick a scripture and then really, imagine ourselves as part of the scripture, as part of the situation. And so I picked Matthew 19, 13 to 15 about the little children coming to Jesus. And I had the most powerful um, imaginative prayer where I really felt like six or eight year old child, you know, walking through the dusty landscape, coming upon Jesus and meeting him having him pull me up onto his lap and talking to me one-on-one, -on -one, telling me how much he loves me, telling me that no matter what I do, he will still love me like that, and telling me to never think that I'm not important to him. And this was just so powerful for me and something that at that point, you know, emotionally focused, I, I really needed to hear. Um, but it's also wonderful in that whenever I need to feel that, I can pull that image back up. Mm. It's so strong. It feels like I actually lived it. And I can pull that image up when I just need to hear those things again. 
Um, I've had other experiences where I had visions um, with Jesus. Most of them involved worship. Most of them were at worship leaders retreats. But I've also had some, or at least one that I can think of that was very intense that did not involve music. Um, this was uh, in the months after Matt died. I found that my drive home was really, really difficult because it was the time of day that I reconnected with the fact that I was driving home and Matt wasn't going to be there. And I struggled on those drives. And at some point, I felt like Jesus was sitting in the passenger seat next to me. I felt it so strongly that I stopped putting things on the passenger seat as you would if anybody else was going to be sitting there. Um, and I don't remember that Jesus said much to me in that situation, but he he sat there, he he grieved with me. He I I was able to feel my grief. I was able to feel him grieving with me, and I was also able to just feel the joy of his presence. And it just it made those drives a really beautiful, wonderful experience instead of the difficulty that they had been up to that point. Um, so as I said before, to me, worship is all about connecting with God. And, you know, for me, it, it was a matter of determining what works for me, um, how do I best connect, and then making that a regular part of my life. Such good, good practical help from our friend Jean there. And um, I had to smile real big when she started quoting the song lyrics about being unshakable uh, because she did not know the Bible text that I was going to be teaching on when she recorded this for us. And so uh, that is bringing me comfort that God really wants us to hear this message this morning. Uh, so I just want you to hold on to some of those things that she said, some of those ways of making space for God uh, as we just explore the Bible this morning. Um, because I think that ultimately the message is that even in a very tumultuous moment, in a moment of great shaking, of great quaking, uh, it is also the time to press deeper into a space of worship. Uh, and so let's take a look. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Hebrews 12. We're going to camp out there for a little bit. Um, the words are up on the screen for you as well. So let's start Hebrews 12, verse 25. Starts with a warning. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape it if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And then he goes on to say, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. So a couple things about what God is up to in this passage uh, I think right away, 
hope you hear uh, that God says everything is going to shake. Everything. Not only on earth, but also the things in heaven. And I don't tend to think of shaking as a particularly good thing. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear shaking is like an earthquake, right? Um, and here we, we even get glimpses of, of God saying there's going to be earthquakes and heaven quakes, which I can't even consider what that would be like. I personally have never been through an earthquake. I don't know if any of you here have experienced that, uh, but I would imagine if you have, that it's not something that you will quickly forget. That feeling of the actual ground you're standing on like not being stable. It's just not something that we uh, move from our minds very quickly. Um, and maybe for you it wasn't an earthquake, maybe it was a really bumpy plane ride. Have you ever been on a plane where the turbulence is just so crazy and you're like, Literally, things are shaking above you and shaking below you and shaking beside you. And you're like, is my suitcase going to fall out and hit me on the head? Or where is the ground? Please get me on the ground right now, right? Isn't that what it feels like? It's terrible. I think the closest thing for me that I've come to from one of those shaky moments was actually on my honeymoon of all places. And I may have told some of you this story already, but Amos and I honeymooned in Glacier National Park. And he thought it would be a great idea to go off the trails, uh, which apparently is legal. You can do that. You're just supposed to register with the uh, rangers. So they know, like, 25 people went up this mountain this morning, and 25 of them came back down, right? Uh, but we got there, and it was late in the afternoon, and the ranger was leaving. <laughs> like, we pulled up, and he pulled away. And Amos said, ah, we'll probably be fine. It's no big deal. So uh, we hike up this just stellar mountain. I mean, it was hard. I was huffing and puffing, and I was in pretty good shape back then. I am not now. I would never try it now. I look back at the pictures. I'm like, what was I thinking? I was so close to death. Like, I have a picture of me, and, like, I'm gripping onto the very top of this mountain. And you could see for, for forever away, right? It's awesome, but, whoa, it was risky. And we're having this cool moment, and then he's like, okay, we probably better get back down before, you know, the sun goes down. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. And right as we turn to leave, this giant fog comes into the valley. Like, I could only see six feet in front of me in any direction. That was it. So it was this moment of shaking. And... I don't know if you guys know this, but at the very top of the mountain, you, you're not like standing on like rocks that are pretty sturdy or like even dirt paths. It's shale. It's like these really slippery pieces of tile. It's like, it's like if you demo your bathroom tile and you're just trying to walk on it. It doesn't work very well. So we just had this moment and we stopped and we prayed. And I'm like, this is how naive I was in this moment, you guys. I said, it's okay, maybe we can just sleep here tonight. I actually said that. And he was like, no, Allison, <laughs> no. He's like, we have two granola bars and a bottle of water and no blankets. No, we cannot sleep here. And I'm like, oh, all right. So he, he goes out in front of me and I yell, okay, stop, I can't see you anymore. <laughs> like, okay, is that a safe path? 
oh, nope, that way is, there's a 500 foot drop off over here, there's a 1,000 foot drop off over here, there's probably a 25 foot or 1,000 drop foot drop off over there. And go back up, find a different way down. And I'd say, okay, stop again, I can't see you. And I can't stand this whole time. I cannot stand and just walk and follow him. I am crab crawling on my backside uh, with my hands, like going down the mountain like this. Okay, so we eventually did get down to the ground. It was pretty dark, and it looked like a scene out of Beauty and the Beast and the scary forest thing. That's really what it looked like when we got down. And I had holes in my jeans. I ripped up my brand new wedding ring. I still see the scratches every time I look at it. And my ankles are bleeding, but we got down. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good story, right? And I was thinking about the, that this week, and I'm like, I don't like shaking. Shaking is not good. Shaking is scary. Shaking doesn't feel stable. But in that moment on the mountain, we stopped and we prayed, and we were like, God, we need a way down. I had a nice car waiting for me in the parking lot. I had a warm bed to go back to in our hotel that night. I was looking forward to my luxurious meal, but none of that was going to matter if I couldn't get down the mountain. And in that moment, it's just like, whoa. You begin to see who is actually holding all the things together. It's so easy to just go through life and think like, I have got this under control. All these things keep me safe. And none of that was going to do anything for me in that moment. It was like, Holy Spirit, come, keep us safe, get us home, get us back down this mountain. And I just think that probably relates to something that you have experienced in this past year, um, where we have seen that we've tried to build our life on foundations of our career, We've tried to make a, our health our foundation, our kids, our financial investments, our education, um, and all these things that we have put our trust in and that we have taken for granted, they're just not stable places to land at the end of the day. And yet God in this passage says, I'm actually offering you an unshakable kingdom. And it's good that things shake because you can see things for what they really are. It becomes revealed that there is actually not as much power or safety or stability or hope in the material world or in our own efforts or in our own intellect or in our own ability to plan and strategize and have a backup plan if the first plan doesn't work. We actually get to receive this shakeable or this unshakable kingdom, and you might be thinking like, okay, great, how? How can I be a part of it? How does it come? Well, I think to fully grasp that, we need to unpack some of what is in the Old Testament in this passage. So you probably heard just these undertones of things that happened in the Old Testament. So, you know, one of them that is referenced here is actually from the prophet Haggai. And Haggai speaks at a time where the temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians and God's people were under Persian rule at this time. 
And just so you know, the Babylonians were pretty brutal to them. They exiled people. Uh, the Persians were kinder. <laughs> they were like, okay, you don't have to go away. You can actually stay here and be like productive in our society. Um, they were still in control, but there was some space for the people. And so what God's people started doing was like, great, we're going to start investing in our houses and in our fields and in all the things that are ours. And Haggai comes to them with this word that says, basically, God is upset because he says, why are you spending time building your luxurious homes when my house remains in ruins? Because they had said, it's not time to build the temple yet. It's not time to rebuild it. I don't think so. Let's just wait a little longer. And God said, if you're not building my temple, what are you doing, basically? And then we come to this passage in Haggai 2, 6 through 9. I'll read that to you if I can find it here. Verse 6, it says, For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of Heaven's armies, have spoken. God says, all the wealth belongs to me. The gold, the silver, everything you have is mine. So use what you have to build up things that will last. Use your time, your talents, your energy, your money to invest in the things of the kingdom. Why? Because, he says, my glory, read for that, my presence, my beauty, will be there with you. And it will be a place of peace, not of chaos, not of unrest, not of instability. And isn't it interesting how many times it says the Lord of heaven's armies is speaking. That's who's speaking in this passage. And he's speaking through this prophet Haggai. Um, but remember, back in Hebrews, verse 25, the first question there, or the first warning is, do not miss the one who is speaking. So to answer that question, who is speaking? We need to figure that out. We have to back up a few more verses in Hebrews. So I know this is a lot. Hang with me. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, so he says, I'm going to shake the heavens, I'm going to shake the earth. Things that don't last are going to go away. I'm giving you what's unshakable. But before that, he says in verse 18, You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. 
Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. I love this. This is so powerful, and I want to make sure we catch this. There is a contrast here between what you've not come to and then what God is calling us to and what we have come to, right? You have not come to the physical place, the mountain, Mount Sinai, where there was fear, there was trembling. And if you remember, Mount Sinai is the place where Moses went up and received the Ten Commandments, and he was so terrified. The people were freaking out. They're like, no, no, we don't want to talk to God. You go, to, you go up there, Moses. You go hear from him. Moses goes up, and even Moses says he's terrified because he fears that God is going to destroy the people for worshiping the golden calf and all these other idols that they've put in his place. And the writer of Hebrews says that is not who you've come to. You have come to Mount Zion. And where is Mount Zion, and what is Mount Zion? Well, that's where... The temple is. And again, we're on the other side of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus himself calls himself the temple. And he says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You, me, us. This is stellar. You can come and worship God without fear, without trembling, He goes on, he says, you've come to God himself. You've come to the righteous ones, which is, you know, he wants us to remember all the believers who have died before us. They are there with us and the angels. But then he says, get this, you guys, it's so good. Then he says, you have come to Jesus. The one who mediates the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance. Did you catch that the only one who's speaking in the context of these verses, you come to all this stuff, you come to the temple, you come to God, you come to the saints, you come to the angels, you come to Jesus. Who's the only one who's speaking? Jesus. Right? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, yeah, Allison, the answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. That's the Sunday school answer, right? What's the answer? Jesus. (laughs) Okay. The problem with that, and I don't know if you've seen this happening in the world, but we can all agree. Okay, yes, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and you get the unshakable kingdom. The problem with stopping there is that you can then just make Jesus whoever you want him to be. Have you seen that happening in the world? Do you see that happening on your Facebook feed? 
Do you see that happening in the news? Do you see it happening in your own heart? Jesus agrees with me. Jesus aligns with my politics. Jesus agrees with how I spend my money. Hebrews says, the one who is speaking that you do not want to miss is Jesus and his blood. His blood speaks a better word. It speaks of forgiveness and not vengeance. That was like what happened with the blood of Abel. That's why we worship, guys. This is, this is so stunning because Jesus, the one who is running the show, who gives you the unshakable things, is himself a suffering, dying Jesus. And he's forgiving. That was the whole point of his death, was to make it right, to forgive you. He would rather lay his life down than take life. He speaks forgiveness and not revenge. And if you're listening to the Jesus described in the gospel stories, you know uh, that Jesus is not just forgiving the people who are like the good people, <laughs> the people who have it all together, they've got their ducks in a row, and they're following the rules. That's not only who Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is forgiving the bad guys too. The ones who betray him, the ones who run out on him, the ones who turn their back on him, it's just crazy. Uh, and so if you say, I think that might be me lately, that's okay. There's really good news in here because in the Bible, his closest friends leave him. You know, Peter, it's so funny. Peter's like, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'm with you to the end. And then like the next moment, he's like, peace out. I'm gone. I don't know who you are. And Jesus gets crucified and dies, and Peter's nowhere to be found. But when he comes back to life, Jesus says, because of my resurrection, if the worst thing that you could ever imagine in your life happens, and I know some of you in this room are in that space, if the worst thing happens and everything goes to hell and we all get swallowed by death, guess what? Jesus defeats death with resurrection. That is the unshakable kingdom. And Jesus finds Peter and he doesn't say like, you idiot, where were you? I'm going to get back at you. Revenge, right? He finds Peter fishing and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Turn around. Peace to you. It's, it's, it's good. You can come back on my team. That is the gospel message, and that is the God we worship. It's a God of forgiveness, not of vengeance. This is what it means to be Christian. So, quote for you here. How do you cope when the world is out of joint? When your world is out of joint? When people you love are at odds with one another or with you? When you can see people, perhaps people you care very deeply for, going off in a wrong direction while claiming that it's you that's heading the wrong way? 
The temptation is either to yell at people or to back off and sulk in a corner. And those are N.T. Wright's words. Are they up there on the screen? Yep, those are N.T. Wright's words, not mine. But I came across that in a book this week, and I thought, oh, man. That's a good word. That's a good question. I've done my fair share of yelling and sulking in this past year, right? But God's invitation is to forgiveness even in the shaking. And the shaking is real, you guys. The shaking is so real. I, uh, I came into our recent grief Sunday um, just sunk so low, processing some news of yet another impending miscarriage. And initially I was like, God, this is so mean. This is so mean that I would get this news, and then the next day, it's Grief Sunday. <laughs> Great. But I had no idea what a gift it was going to be to come and be with you guys and to light a candle for all the babies I've lost. It was just this transcendent moment of worship for me. And I think it was because at the end, we started singing All Hail King Jesus, right? Oh, it was just so weighty. And I was like, I am worshiping like I have not worshiped in a long time, right in the middle of my pain and my grief. And I think it was because it was a chance for me to sing like the truest words I could ever sing. There, there was like nothing more true than the words of that song. And, and I was singing my own narrative inside of that song. Does that make sense? Like, I'm singing about my pain as I'm singing about Jesus's pain, and I'm singing about his victory and his hope. And so I can actually, like, pick up my broken pieces and say, yes, yes, I want that hope. That is what happens in worship. And it was crazy because I was feeling this immense pain, but it was like a deeper hope and a deeper joy at the same time. And it's like, maybe that doesn't make sense to you. Maybe intellectually that it just doesn't relate. But that's the power of choosing to show up and worship, right? I wasn't going to come. I was literally like, I don't think I can go. I'm just going to stay in bed. I'm so glad I was here. It was such a gift. I just, I wanted to compartmentalize my pain in that moment, but the reality is it's really hard to ignore it when you're singing about, like, the Jesus who darkness overcame him and he went into the tomb, right? It's really hard to ignore it when you're singing that reality. And I realized, you know, I think when things shake, when nothing feels stable, when we're in places of loss and pain and frustration and sorrow, I actually don't want, like, the sparkly superhero Jesus. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I just can't imagine if I was, like, singing, like, God, you, like, hang out up in the clouds somewhere way out there, and you see me with pity, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry about your misfortune. Good luck. Right? That's not the Jesus I want. I want to know, like, he gets it. 
he's been there. I want to know he's been in my shoes. And I think you want to know that he's been in your shoes too. I really think that's what you want. And the good news is the crucified Jesus, it's not sparkly, shiny, kick-button, take-names Jesus, although he does that sometimes, right? It's good. But it's not that Jesus that accomplishes the really deep work of healing, of forgiveness, of moving back toward, of putting things together, making them right. That's the crucified Jesus who does that. So the question this morning then is, can we make space for the image of a suffering Jesus? Is there space in your theology for that? Is there space in your experience? Is there space in how you imagine God? You know, I think that's what Jean did, right? That is what Jean was doing. Those are such helpful words to us. Like, she didn't fill up every part of her life so that there's no room to hear from God. So my question is, can you... On your commute to work, some of us have those again, right? Some of us are driving to work again. Well, anyway, on your commute to work, can you leave your passenger seat open for Jesus? I just think that's so helpful. And if you're not driving to work yet, uh, find a space in your house or in your yard that is, like, reserved for Jesus. Just nothing else goes there. Do not miss the one who is speaking. It's a warning. We like to think that the New Testament is warm and fuzzy, that there's no warnings. There's a warning here in Hebrews. Do not miss the one who's speaking. And I guess what I really want to say to you today, and end here, is if you want more gratitude in your worship, if you want it to be a more full experience, if you want to authentically connect to God, then I would suggest that you get in touch with your own needs and the needy Jesus. I think if we can't look at and listen to a suffering Jesus, I'm just, I'm just afraid we're going to miss what he's doing, guys. I'm afraid that especially now in a prolonged season of political and racial and economic and relational just shaking. Where everything's just turned upside down, that, that we might actually call the wrong things God. That's what I'm afraid of. In our attempts to just make sense of what has happened to us this year, in our country, in our world, as humans, we might be overly invested in a particular idea about how the world works, how the government's supposed to work, how the vaccines work, how to financially recover from a crisis, even how justice is handed out. We can get too tied to that idea and lose sight of Jesus. God is speaking his truth and his hope not through strategizing and winning, but through a gospel of laying down his life, giving up his power to forgive it all. 
So we are called to worship because we're inheriting an unshakable kingdom. And what I really feel is worship is both the entry point, right? It's the entry point of hearing from God. If you want to hear from God, spend time in worship. He will show up. He loves to be worshiped. He will speak, right? It's both the entry point and it's the response. It's the response to what he's speaking. It's a conversation. It's how we hear and how we speak back. And so if you've noticed in the vineyard, man, we sing a lot of simple songs that are kind of redundant, like over and over the same words. Jean mentioned one of them. I love, I love, I love your presence, right? You are good, you are good, you are good, over and over and over. It's not because we're trying to lull ourselves into a place of like complacency and boredom. It's because when things shake, our hearts actually need to hear the same things over and over and over until they soften to the truth of what's really unshakable. And we begin to like actually lift our eyes to those things. That is what we're doing. So in worship, we sing both about the bad news, that we're really broken, really messed up. We get seriously hurt when things go wrong. And we also sing about the reality that God, in his forgiveness of the good and the bad, has put it all back to right. That's what we sing about. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come this morning? God, you come in our resistance, you come in our fear and in our doubt, our confusion. But we just pray this morning that you would actually bring our defense mechanisms down uh, just long enough so that we can have a really honest conversation with you. God, we thank you that worship is a conversation. We thank you that it's dialogue. We thank you that we're not just speaking about you, but that we are interacting with the living God who is unshakable, even in death is unshakable. And so would you help us now to just be aware of the things that we have worshiped that won't last and to give them to you and to instead receive stability in your unshaking kingdom. Meet us now, we pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.